Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. We are excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, including that card that they had in the UFC yesterday at the UFC Apex, uh, UFC on ESPN 46, Kai Car France versus Amir Albazi in the main event. We'll spend some time on that because uh, it definitely had some controversy regarding its or the decision. We had a great fight between Alex Caceres and Daniel Pineda. In fact, that was your fight of the night. And then we had a couple long-time veterans on either side of a good night of fighting. Jim Miller, Andre Arlovsky, a few others to talk about. Plus, we also get to talk to Anthony Romero, who's going to be headlining an upcoming PFL card against OAM Olivier. Olivier Aubin Mercedes. Did I say uh, uh, PFL is what I meant to say, but I didn't say it. It's coming up in a few weeks, and he is the main event, and they are on ESPN. So we'll give them some love. Chat, uh, of course, about some of the latest news as well. We'll be right back to start the show. So we weren't able to talk about fights last week because we had no fights. So let's talk about fights before we get into, you know, some of the other stuff that moves the needle in our sport. Like when Dana White does this press conference or when Conor McGregor tweets or when Tyson Fury chimes in. We'll touch on some of that as well. But we did have a uh, quality main event yesterday. Look, it wasn't a barn burner. It wasn't up for fight of the year. But it was decent, you know, two guys that are trying to position themselves uh, to fight for a title shot at some point, along with Brandon Royal. Uh, we know we got and Alexander Pantoja challenging Brandon Marino on fight on International Fight Week, which is coming up here in about a little over a month. And then after that, who will be next? That's the question. And both of these guys were trying to put themselves in a position to be next. However, we got ourselves about a six and a half, seven out of 10, in my opinion, in terms of action, in terms of needle moving. Uh, in the end, Amir Albazi won a split decision over Kai Car France. Now, I had for Kai Car France the other way, 48 47. In fact, I wouldn't have been mad at a 49 46 score. And most of Twitter and most of MMA decisions. I agreed with myself and goes goes. What did you think of the fight? What was your score? What did you think of the decision? I think the fight was the worst fight in the world, but uh, when it's your main event, it probably doesn't make you too happy, you know, compared to what we do normally get. I scored it four rounds to one. I had Kai Kara France. I had him winning rounds five, four, two, and one. Uh, sorry, rounds one, three, four, and five. Round three, I had very close. 
Um, but I just feel like the bombs that Cara France landed at the end were, were enough to kind of uh, offset what had happened, the control in the round, the submission attempt, all that. I just felt like it was enough. However, if somebody said, I disagree, I don't think they're crazy. You know, it was just that razor thin. But either way, that would still, on my scorecard, still give Kai Kara France the victory. Um, I Watching it the night of, I thought it was very, very clear it was Kai Kara France. Re-watching it, I feel like uh, it was a little closer than I thought. So this is the part that's kind of contradictory on my part. We're discussing a fight right now that 19 out of 21 pundits, meaning members of the MMA media, called for Kai Car France. Two had 48-47 for Amir, Amir Al-Bazi. Nine had 48-47 for Kai Car France. 10 had 49-46 for Kai Car France. And when you have a, a disparity of 19 to 2 on MMADecisions.com, usually you're gonna you're gonna hear the word robbery, right? Being thrown out. It was a robbery. Kai Car France got robbed. You and I just rewatched the fight together and we kind of came to similar conclusions. I had one, two, wait, one, four, and five were KKF. Three was man. That was close, but I think I leaned towards Kai Car France as well because I liked what he did at the end with those elbows and punches, mostly elbows that, that rained down. And it looked like four or five of them really sliced him pretty good or bounced off his forehead. Now, I realized he was also held for about a good 90 minutes in a, sorry, seconds in a dominant position when Amir Albazi took his back and secured a body triangle. He had both hooks. He switched the body triangle to either side. He got his arm, his elbow underneath Kai Carpranz's chin, but he wasn't able to secure the rear naked choke because their bodies were slipping from either side. And so he wasn't able to get the direct torque from being right behind somebody. And to Kai Carpranz's credit, he also reached back and was able to pull and fight the hands and take just enough pressure off that he was able to survive. Then he stood up and slipped them off in a really, really slick way. And that's when he got on top with about between 40 and 45 seconds. And I'm going to give a shout out to my boy, Alsop. He always says, um, immediate impact outweighs cumulative effect. And what he means by that is the business end of the round is always the end. And usually judges are swayed by a strong finish to a round. I'm not saying that minute one, sorry, minute five, I guess, meaning the end of the round is more important than minute one. I mean, but we're humans, right? And so you watch around and I think you're going to be left with a little bit more of mm, and uh, like an, an impact, more of an impact is going to be left with you, I think, towards what you maybe saw at the end. Especially if in your head you're thinking, man, this is pretty even. This pendulum is swinging back and forth. What do I do? What do I write down, you know? And and so I think that's why sometimes it can be swayed that way. 
And I think that's something that Kai Carpenter had. But again, if you gave it to Amir Albazi, I still have a 3-2 for Kai France. Anyway, um, let me give you the judges' scorecards, and then we'll keep talking about this, because this is a really, really big fight to discuss, because there's so much to unpack here. Um, the judges for this fight were Michael Bell and Sal Diamato, along with Chris Lee. Round one, which goes and I gave to Kai France. Michael Bell gave to Kai France. Sal Diamato gave to Amir Albazi. Chris Lee gave to Kai Car France. Really quick. Round yeah. one, I thought was also somewhat close. So did I. And I think Kai Car France, honestly, with that last punch that slipped in right between Amir Almazi's hands, he had him up. He, he, it was a real good punch, actually. And he got through, and I thought that almost cemented it for me, right? Um. So, but then again, just to pull back the curtain, Goes and I did discuss that we're putting it down, but it was close. And that, and going back to what I said about the hypocrisy about, you know, what I'm about to say is when you see 19 to 2 judges or pundits in MMA media that scored it for one guy versus two, the word robbery is going to get thrown around. But yet some of these rounds were close. A robbery can't be can't be if, if the fight if the rounds are close because it's subjective and if it's subjective you're leaving it to someone to just write 10-9 and these scores are almost an indicator of how this played out so again bell goes 10-9 france diamato goes 10-9 albazi chris lee goes 10-9 france round two comes along and albazi won the the round according to all the judges goes and i also gave it to albazi so on Michael Bell's card, he's got it 1-1 going into round two. Sal Diamato's got it 2-0 going into round two. Sorry, round three. Chris Lee has it just like Michael Bell 1-1 going into round three. If you watch Twitter that night, I thought I saw more 2-0 Kaikar Francis than 2-0 Albazis, but I did see a lot of 1-1s. I don't think I saw one 2-0 Albazis. Until the third mm -hmm. round, when I think someone said, I got Albazi winning it, winning every round. Because they show different people that are at home doing it. And so that particular Twitter handle, I may just not have seen. But I still had the feeling like it could be 2 nothing or one nothing Kaikar France. Uh, sorry, 2 nothing or 1-1 Kaikar France. And that's fine. I thought, well, maybe there'll be a finish. None of this will matter. But in my head, I'm already wondering, man, this is close. These rounds are close. I wonder which one of these is going to make a difference. How about you? I thought it was uh, somewhat closer second time around as I'm watching it, but uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm kind of like with you up until this point. Round three comes along, and all of them gave it to uh, Amir Albazi. Here's why this is important: because Michael Bell and Chris Lee have identical scores. Round one for France, and round. Uh, two and three for Albazi. So they got it 29-28 or two rounds to one. Albazi going into rounds four and five, the championship rounds. This wasn't a championship fight, but this was a five-round fight. We'll call it a title contender fight. It was important. It was a headline about first for both, I believe. And Sal Diamato's score is 3 nothing Albazi. So in reality, Unless we have a 10-8 or a point deduction or anything like that, or Kai Carpenter doesn't finish him, he's drawing dead. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He can't come back and win the fight on Sal Diamato's scorecard. 
We get to round four. Round four had it. Uh, Gozenai gave it to Kaikar France. So did Sal Diamato and Michael Bell. But if you'll recall, Diamato's scorecard doesn't matter because he's already had it 3 nothing Albazi. And unless there's a finish or a 10-8 or everything I just said, it's not going to matter. And it's not going to matter because we already know the results. So I'm not spoiling everything. So we'll leave his card to the side. But on Michael Bell's scorecard, he's now got it 2-2 going into round five. Chris Lee has just cemented it for Albazi. Because remember, he gave him two, three, and now four. So now Kai Carference is drawing dead on his scorecard going into round five. So round five could have been even more spectacular for Kai Carference, and it wouldn't have mattered. Now, here's why I bring this up. We haven't brought this up in a while, goes. Well, drawing dead in the sense that, like, they could still get a 10-8, Kai Carference, right? Minus a 10-8 or some sort of, you know, from performance or a point deduction to a foul. Mm -hmm the finish itself or anything else I haven't covered, he's drawing dead in that 10 nines won't save him at that point. Okay. Now, so going into round five, the fight was really over, you know, and, unless it was going to be a finish, which there wasn't. And what's funny is we haven't brought this topic up in a while, but I wonder what open scoring would have done for this fight. I've been against open scoring, but I'm also against – Fights like this where 19 out of two of our colleagues feel one way. Twitter really leaned towards Kai Car France. Most people in the know, I think, lean towards Kai Car France, yet he's not the one that, that, that won the fight. It makes me want to lean towards, well, maybe we should give it a shot. Because, yeah, we've gone over certain situations where if there's a foul, are you going to play it into your favor and you don't want to continue? You know, if you're exhausted, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And and uh, in reality, I don't think that's the common thing that happens, but it can. And if it happened in an important fight, it sure as hell would disappoint us. Um, maybe we could fix it. But I, I wonder how this fight would have done with open scoring. How about you? I'm very against open scoring. However, if there were a rule that said if the fight were tied going into the last round, that I don't see a problem with. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just not every scenario works for open scoring. You know, that's the problem. And you need just about every, everything to work because you're, you're, you're making a big change and there's just a lot of things that can happen. So I'm still against it, but, uh, I do like open scoring in the sense that if that last round can, can kind of, uh, if it's a tie and both fighters need no, they need to, to win that round. I'm okay with letting them know. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think it would help? And I'm not saying this is important, but do you think it would help at least, how can I put it to you, at least in the sense that the outrage would be minimized? You know, Israel Adesanya took to Twitter and was going crazy. On He wants these guys fired. I think he even wanted them expired, and I'm sure he was joking about that. But he was pissed because his teammate, Kai Car France, was on the losing side. And But I wonder if open scoring would at least, how can I put it to you, just alleviate or soften that blow, you know, kind of like, well, you knew it was this. 
you should have done this. You know, like now there's no, maybe that takes a little bit of pressure off the judges. Who knows? Now, granted, as those scorecards are, are scored, I know there's going to be some booing. And I know we said this in the past, is the judge going to overcompensate like in the NBA when there's a foul? And in between the commercial, they look up and they go, oh, shit, I realized it was a charge, not a block or vice versa. And so later in the game, they kind of give it back to somebody, you know, just to Mm -hmm. even things out. Well, in MMA, we can't really do that too often. I mean, you can't really just go, I'm going to give this guy the 10 nines. His last time I up here, I screwed him according to this and the booze. I I still think it it just plays too much of a factor. I do think if if you're even if you got it right, but you don't know exactly like you're not really seeing what the other two guys have. I mean, I don't know if judges would be able to look up and see that or how they oh, would play that. Yeah. Just hearing booze, I think, would put everyone on edge. You know whether because yeah. you don't know if you're the guy that got it right or the guy that got it wrong. So I I just I I feel that they'll they'll still do it anyway. Yeah, and you know, um, it takes away from the mystery at the very end of wondering who won. I mean, there is something to that moment when they announce, you know, who won it. Um, And the guy getting booed, sorry, the two guys getting booed, let me phrase this right. Usually when two guys have it one way and one guy has it the other way, you would think, oh, the one guy fucked up, he's getting booed, but... The crowd might agree with him and be ruling the other two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even then you might, if you had some sort of an awareness that told me, you know, let's say you look over at Chris Chris Lee and he just kind of moves his head to the left. He gives you something that says, I scored it for this guy. And you go, whew, so did I. We're on the same wavelength. But everyone's booing and you think they're booing the one odd guy. No, they're booing you two. I mean, there's yeah. so much that could go into the open scoring. What if a guy's fighting at home? What is what if he's fighting at home and they got it right, but the fans just don't like the fact that their guy's down and obviously they're booing. There's just so many stupid things that can happen. Yeah. What if he's booing somebody whose nickname is the ghost and they weren't aware? I mean then they're fired up. Or or somebody like a Michael Cooper as well. <laughs> Look, folks, I know we're having a goof here and we're having fun. And it sucks for Kai Car France, although he already said, I know I won, I'm moving on. But it really does suck because right now, afterwards, Dana White was asked, hey, can you confirm that Brandon Royal is the uh, the um, substitute? Huh? Or, yeah, yeah, substitute. Yeah, he's the substitute for the title fight. And that guarantees him the next shot. As we all know, Colby's guaranteed the next title shot. Because he was a substitute. And guess what Dana White said? No, that still isn't the case. He did say he was going to take a good look at this fight. He said this fight was good. It was solid. But he didn't call it great. He didn't say it was a needle mover. And he still wasn't sure what might happen between Albazi and Royal. Um, So he had that luxury of, of not having to commit to anything, which is fine. I, I'm not, I don't hate him for that. I just hate his inconsistency. And I'll get to another one in just a sec. But um, yeah, Roy will thinks he's got this thing locked up, you know, and he doesn't because mm-hmm. it could be all Bozzy. Um, I think I, you know what, guys. I think honestly, let's, let's just put our cards on the table. I think this a lot of this just boils down to money, and come when it's time to make fight, who's playing ball and who isn't. Yeah. And let's say Roy will not playing ball. 
you know, I can go, you know, man, something told me Albanzi, he just beat Kaikar France. I, I went with my gut. He's the guy to go to. We're going back to the Middle East, you know, and and he he really wanted to fight there. So he's our guy. And if Albazi's tripping on money and Roy was okay, then he can go, you know, if you think about it, it was 19 to 2. We haven't made decisions. We just weren't sure that Albazi rose up to the occasion and the challenge that night. So we're going with Roy Wolf. After all, he was our substitute. Like, it just gives him these these little soft landing cushions, you know, where he can basically play whatever he needs to play at that particular time. And I think it boils down to just not necessarily, like, who's injured, who's healthy, who's this, who's that. I think it's just who can we sign and we can run with this. And, and you know, and, and when we call them, they take it and basically go on our terms. I think uh, what we're going to get to a topic later that involves Conor McGregor that I think same message was kind of thrown, you know, and, and I think it does maybe have a little bit to do with money. Yeah, exactly. So uh, anything else you want to say about this fight? Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't fight of the night because and it wasn't nobody got bonus. The only thing that happened here was, you know, these two guys got more exposure. There was some controversy. I don't know if he'll take care of Kai Carpenter in any way, but um, anything else you want to add to this? Well, I mean, I think you and I disagree on a few things when it comes to this topic that we've already sort of talked about. Um, But with judging, it's just like, for me, most of the time, they get it right. Between the three of them, they figure it out, and the right guy's hand is is lifted up. There are a lot of times where that doesn't happen, and it just has more of a magnitude when it's a big fight, right? And I don't think Israel Adesanya, like, I think he overreacted a little bit. Obviously, he's a homer, right? That's his dude. Um. I thought he was in the right. I thought Kaikara Franz deserved to win that fight. But some of the things that he said were just a little too overboard. And I don't know that the, the judges need that type of response. That That's just a little bit much. But at the same time, the judges do need some kind of accountability. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to pull them up at a press conference and ask them questions? I think, you know, a lot of people ask that, like, why don't they, why can't people have access to them, like in the NBA? And I don't know that they'll ever say this, but I think the answer is the commission probably just doesn't want that because it's, it's kind of like that reaction that we're talking about with open scoring. You know, if they get drilled like that on a certain fighter, I do believe that the next time around they might be a little bit more lenient for that fighter or something i mean i get that but it doesn't mean that within themselves they can't bench a guy when he makes too many mistakes or you know that sort of thing and i know that does happen but i don't know that it happens enough so as george alluded to earlier in the program if you go on mma decisions you have like 20 outlets i think that they they score mm-hmm it's pretty one-sided, you know, it really is. And these are people that really, really know the business in and out. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, I think we need more judges, but we need quality judges and you need to, you need to make sure that whatever pool you're pulling from are people that make sense. Right. So that's going to take time to find out. That's going to take time to find those people. 
but we have to take steps towards it. And I don't know that we're doing that. Um, again, fight was a lot closer than I thought. Uh, last point I do want to make is, and I'll, I'm probably going to go back, uh, not necessarily watch this fight, but pull up a couple things that George and I noticed. There were far too many times where the judge had to get up out of their chair, rubberneck around something to see what was going on. I thought Sal Diamato had a great spot, but the other two judges didn't have good spots. And because we were talking about how razor thin these rounds are, I think it does matter that a judge needs to do something like that to see that that's just stupid. There are plenty other views where I get it. The commentators, they got to see, but most of the time the commentators are looking at their screen. You know, a lot of them don't actually look up and watch the fight. So I just think judges need a, a better location too. Cause uh, a couple of them had really shitty views. Yeah, I agree. Um, going back to Israel Adesanya, he said, quote, I tweeted that before even seeing the scorecards because I knew them two will fuck it up. How many times will they rob athletes and their moments of glory uh, of their money, their livelihood for their family? Fuck them cunts. They need to expire quickly and go. Mike Bell is the only judge to score this properly. The other two definitely need to disappear. His tweet that he said that he sent before the scorecards were read um was well i don't know he says start interviewing the judges after the fights hold them accountable for their work oh i did tell goes well what are they going to do they're going to ask him why'd you do this and then when they explain like round three was close it really was round three i think i would have scored it to kai carpenter because he had a strong finish with the ground and pound versus albazi with the you know the control that he had taking his back Body triangle, so a little bit of you know softening him up with some blows, but more than anything, going for that finish. Right, he was under his neck. He went for the choke. He didn't get it, but where do you weigh the two? So what are you going to say to these guys? You know, whatever it is they to tell you, it's subjective. So unless they were completely crazy, they're pretty much you're pretty much going to go, okay, that's all I wanted to hear that you were kind of awake and watching the same thing as us. Only you thought this, and you know, uh, and we thought that, and and. That's that, I guess. It's, I, 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 you know, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Izzy wants, but I know this much. I don't know that if we fire the 10 best judges in the world that we have 10 ready to go that aren't going to do this, because let me tell you something. This fight's not a good example. There's a lot of fights that are close, and you'll see a lot of people in the business, whether it's famous like a Joe Rogan or a Boss Rudin, a Mark Coleman, a George St. Pierre. And it wouldn't shock me if those four had two different tweets, or sorry, four different tweets where they all had two different scores in a swift decision. And at no point would you go, well, yes, we don't know shit. Boss Rudin doesn't know what he's talking about. Mark Coleman's not. You're like, no, these people know the sport. They fought in the sport. It's just that they kind of saw it something different, and it happens a lot. I watch Twitter a lot. It happens a lot. This one was a little bit more one-sided, you know, and that's mm -hmm. why I'm, I, I I understand the uproar, but holding them accountable, I still don't know what that means because I'm telling you, if you say, uh, let's say this is the co-main event, and you held them accountable in between this and the main event, and you go, hey, um, Chris Lee and Sal Diamato, we're holding you accountable. You're going to sit the rest of the night, and when you ring – Junipero, Comigio, and Patricia Morris-Jarman, or whoever, 
there's, there's Eric Colon's another guy, um, Ron McCarthy. Are you going to tell me that they don't have controversial scores from the last month or so? Yes, they right. do. So you're not really doing anything. So once again, for the one thing in time, fighters do more. Because, goes. wouldn't you agree that Albazi, I mean, Alex Caceres and Daniel Pineda definitely emptied their gas tank and definitely went for it more than these two. Are these two ranked higher? Are they better? Maybe within their division, I, I suppose. But those other guys really did lay it all out on the line. And by the way, Ryan Garcia should be embarrassed of himself after watching Daniel Pineda take those kicks, like three or four to the liver and a couple of body shots. And that dude just like winced and then said, fuck it, I'm right here, let's go, you know? Mm -hmm. but, but anyway, like I say, I still think they there was moments in the fight goes when they were staring at each other and they were missing or not throwing like they really could have done more. That's just the part that you and I are always going to disagree over. But uh, I, I think you fight within your game plan. You fight within your limits. Um, well, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But you're leaving your hands and you're leaving your your fight. The decision, your win bonus, your this, your your run to the title, you're leaving it in the judges' hands. Yeah, the so judges do your job. Get it right, no? Yeah. That, that's who I slap first. I slap the judge first. And I say, do your job. Do your job right. Now, if the fighter uh, was just being lazy, then yeah, but it's a fucking five-round fight. And there's a lot on the line. And there's position. There's health. There's a lot of things. It's just it's not easy for me to say. Just do more because these guys might fuck it up. Um, you 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 have to trust these guys that are gonna get it right. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I, I get where you're coming from, and we just have different opinions of it. These guys that didn't get it right, what would you do? Fire them or just make them sit the next one? And and like again, do you do you have two two that are ready to go to the that are better than these two? Uh, I have a serious talking with them. Uh, for starters, you know, you have three guys that are doing the same job. Why are you, there's times where one guy will have it 30, 27, one way and the other guy have 30, 27, the other, that's just unacceptable. Those are the type of moments where I say this person needs to sit for a while or go down. Yeah. That would, that would, that would, I, I agree with for sure. Um, but in this particular one, I think you talk to him and you just say, what what were you seeing? What is it that you saw? And figure it out. Nobody leaves the room until we figured it out. Is is would is what I would say. You know, we we can't just not this uh, agree to disagree. That that doesn't work. We need to figure out. So in round three, what if Saldian model tells you, man, I just thought he was closer to finishing the fight with the choke. That's why I gave him the round. That that's cool. That's cool. But explain the other rounds, right? Like th those are the ones that I. I, I really want to hit round three was close and I, i'm fine with that i think you can have an explanation on both sides um uh, people who 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 thought al bazi thought one that i have no problem because even i sat there for a while trying to figure out man i don't know i just don't know it's just it's so subjective but uh there are other rounds that i would just disagree okay i know the camera's backwards so hold up your two hands as fists your left is the watch one, right? Yeah. Okay. You're going to raise fingers. The watch is Kai Car France. 
the bracelet is Amir Albazi. You're going to raise a finger when I tell you to, okay? Check out this, because this is weird. In round one, let's just say they scored it two out of three or unanimous that way versus adding up the scores. Check this out. Let's say in round one, we were to grab all the judges' scorecards and go, two judges had it for Kai Car France, one had it for Albazi. We give it to Kai Car France. Okay? Round two and three are easy because all three judges had it for Albazi. So now it's 2-1 Albazi going into round four. Rounds two and three were already for Albazi. So two fingers for the for Albazi. Yes. Now round four comes along, right? Get this. Two judges had it for Kaikar France and one for Albazi. So if we were to go that way, we'd go, okay, how'd you guys have it? Two out of three? Oh, yeah. And then in round five goes, same thing. Two out of three judges had it for Kaikar France and one for Albazi. Kaikar France would win it in that style. So as the judging was happening, because of the 10-9 system, the way the math adds up, it's different than if we were to just go round by round and then just go two of the three or all three said it was this guy, and, and we judged it that way. That's what was so bizarre about this fight. That, that's interesting because I think we had a little off-the-record conversation. Um, that's, if you did it that way, mm-hmm. that's where maybe you could benefit from having more judges. Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, they rotate, so it's not like there's not two sitting around. They, they definitely have extra ones. In fact, the referees, most of them can judge as well. Uh, you mm-hmm. probably just have to pay them all a little bit more, but that's fine. I'm pretty sure they would do it. I don't think it's exhausting work. I was, I mean, you and I went to Cage Warriors this weekend, and Herzog, Dean, and Trigg all seemed calm, rested, eager to work their next fight. And, you know, they would ter- take turns collecting the scores and running around when you weren't the third man in the in the cage. But um, it's, it's a possibility. Um, I hope, in fact, I got to follow up and see if they are going to have a judges and referees gathering this year in Las Vegas, as was rumored, I'd love to go in there and then just ask them, Hey, am I crazy or would this work? You Mm -hmm. know, because how is it that if we were to stop the fight and ask the three judges what they thought and two of the three thought this guy won this particular round, how is it that that doesn't match up to the scores the other way? You know, everybody bashes this 10, nine system and says, we need another one. We're not going to do pride. Hey, remember all 25 minutes and then tell us who won at the end. I don't think we're going to do that. So what about something like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would work if you had five judges. I think it would be uh, pretty close to, I want to say bulletproof, but I think a lot of dumb dumbness would get uh, tossed to the side. Should Israel Adesanya in any way, and I know the UFC says free speech, we don't shut our guys up, but... In other sports, somebody popping off like this at the officials, you're going to either write a check or get suspended, or both. I'm a, I'm not okay with it in the sense that I thought it, it was a little ignorant, you know, the way he did it. But I, I do think that he should be allowed to have an opinion. And uh, it's it just really what it does is I think people are smart enough to kind of it's his own character, right? That that gets put into play here. And everybody has a credit report, and that's just one little check, I think, for some people that go, 
man, I remember he said this this one time and I didn't like it. Whatever. It's up to him to either gain or lose fans. But um, I don't know. You know, a lot of people say a lot of dumb things. I'm one included. And maybe the next day or even a week after that, you kind of look back and go, man, I wish I didn't say that. That was dumb or whatever. I don't feel like Israel Asani is that guy. I feel like you could ask him this a year from now and he'd say, yep, that's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, in I'm not sure where this took place, but in the Europa League final, Roma mm-hmm. played Sevilla. It was 1-1, and they went to penalties. Sevilla won. And Jose Mourinho, he basically was, he had gone to an area where the referees could be, and he was yelling at Anthony Taylor, who actually referees in the English Premier League. So he was yelling at him. But even worse goes when the referees were boarding their plane um, at whatever city this was, because it's in a neutral city. It wasn't in Rome, and it wasn't in Sevilla. They were trying to go home. This was like, you know, in the area where you're boarding or whatever. Mm-hmm. A couple of these guys were getting accosted by Roma fans. So this can get ugly because we're a worldwide sport similar to soccer, you know. And I'm not going to say that the NBA refs or the the uh, NFL refs, you know, that this doesn't happen to them. But I think it's we have a little bit more of a secure system for MLB, NBA, NHL, all them than we do for some of the other sports. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I Again, I, I'm a big believer in free speech as well. But, uh, you know, this, this doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know that you could say, hey, now give us money because he said that. You know, like, maybe a talking to. I don't think that would that would hurt. But I just don't see Dana White being a guy that would do that. Right. All right. Well, the rest of the card went like this. Alex Caceres defeated Daniel Pineda. And even though it was unanimous, 29-28, it was really, really great fight. Uh, fun, fun to watch. It got fight of the night, 50000 each guy. Jim Miller defeated Jesse Butler. Jesse Butler filled in for Jared Gordon. And uh, Miller finished him in 23 seconds. He got $50,000, by the way. Tim Elliott defeated Victor Altamirano. Decision, 30-27, two-time, 29-28. But it was unanimous in his favor. Long week for Tim Elliott. Long couple of weeks because mm-hmm. he put it out there. His wife, fellow fighter and former UFC Manaweight Gina Mazzani, uh, apparently has been having fun outside the marriage. And uh, surprisingly, he says, even after all this, he's still in love with her. But he must have thought was a lot on his mind. Um, and and uh, But he was able to get through this, which was pretty amazing, man. Um, Kareen Silva defeated Ketlin Souza. Submission, knee bar. Poor Souza's knee just popped out, man. She's going to be out for about a year, my, I imagine. Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos defeated Abu Akar and Armaga Madoff. Split decision there. Daniel Santos defeated Johnny Munoz Jr. Dontel Mays defeated Andre Alaski. John Castaneda defeated Muin Gafaroff. Um, Mohamed Naimov defeated Jamie Malarkey. Elise Reed defeated Jinyu Pry. Damon Blackshear defeated uh, Luan Laceda. Felipe Lins defeated Mashin, Maxim Grishin. I already told you Caceres and Pineda. Had 50 G's. Jim Miller had 50 G's. Namoff, Muhammad Namoff, who stepped up at late notice. He defeated Jamie Malarkey. 
he uh, and Daniel Malarkey was like a minus 400, 450 favorite. Uh, Neymar got the other win bonus. How is it that a violent and beautiful technique like that submission that Kareem Silva um, did, how is it that one didn't get a bonus? Well, Dana White said, hey, look, how do you not give fight of the night to Fajeda and Caceres? True. I agree with you, Dana White. He goes, well, now we are left to make a decision. One guy took that fight on the late notice. He was a huge underdog. He beat Malarkey. And the other one was Jim Miller, who looked great. He popped him, got the job done. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that we're not going to give uh, 50 Gs to Kareem Silva. But what are you going to do? And I'm thinking this whole time, you've done it before, motherfucker. Whether it's a pay-per-view or a, um, a fight night, you dug in your pocket and you said, we're just going to have five. Five. Sometimes they even do all the finishers. So for him to sit there and kind of like scratch his bald head and go, what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm thinking, oh, my God. That goes, you got to explain to me why that drives me nuts. Because it's inconsistent. I don't know that, uh, you know, a lot of times they'll say, but we'll take care of them or whatever. Maybe he's still going to do that. I, I would imagine. Who did we just have on? Me and you just had someone on, and we'd say, hey, did you get taken care of? And that fighter told us, well, no. He kind of didn't want to talk about it, but he also wasn't shy. I think it may have been um, Steam Roller because he had a nice finish in New York, and he didn't get it. it and we asked him, did you get taken care of? And he kind of denied that he did, right? Yeah, I think it was him. Don't quote me on that. I think that gets him off the hook. Yeah, we'll take care of them. You know, they'll be happy, you know. Well, yeah, if they were getting nothing and you just wrote them 500 bucks, I suppose they'd be happy. They might be pissed that it wasn't more, but it's mm -hmm. something that came out of nowhere, right? If you weren't expecting it or if you were ruled out, same goes for 1,000, 10,000, 20. It's not 50. And again, where's the consistency? And why are you so baffled as to where you're going to get the money or or why you're in that pickle. Just say, fuck it. That was a great submission. We can't decide. She gets one too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I agree. Anyway, all right. That's the fight night that took place here in Las Vegas. Let's get to our interview. And then we'll come back and talk about some of the news that is out there. And uh, we'll also talk about Cage Warriors and give them a shout out as well. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today we get to talk to 12-1 Anthony Romero. They call him the genius, fighting out of Ontario, Canada. He's going to be fighting in the main event on June 23rd against OAM. Fellow Canadian, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. You can't miss it. They're on the leader, the sports leader, for crying out loud, and it's the main event. How are you, Anthony? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Let's just get it out of the way. The big elephant in the room, and then from here we'll have some fun. But, okay. every, you know, I wouldn't say every day I wake up, but the past few days I've been waking up, and I click MMA Junkie to get caught up. There's been some PED suspensions. I mean, it's really flipped the whole season upside down. Big names, smaller names. Um, share your thoughts on this and, and you know, uh you got your stuff dialed in. I guess I might as well just ask, ask you up front because if you think about it, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but Rob Wilkinson fought Thiago Santos. This is a former champion against a big free agent, and that fight almost meant nothing now if you think about it because they both tested positive. 
Yeah, I guess uh, if you want to be positive thinking, at least they were both uh, fair to fight against each other like that. Um, but other than that, it's uh, it's very disappointing. I've mentioned it before. It's like you look up to these people, you look up to these champions, um, especially like myself on the rise. Like you look at them, you're like, I want to be like them. I want to take the path that they've taken. Um, they worked hard. They put the time into the gym. But then when you realize like the background stuff of like, oh, they did it, but they had this extra stuff. There's always that that asterisk um, with their name and the the wins that they've done. It, it just kind of sweeps everything away, um, all the success. So uh, again, very disappointing, uh, but it's out of my control. I control what I can. And uh, I'm very happy that I'm taking the, uh, I guess you can say the clean path to the top. Um, you came through the Challenger series, so you weren't in Vegas. You weren't part of the testing protocol or anything like that. Have they done any additional testing because of what happened to any of the fighters fighting in Atlanta? And I guess you yourself is who I'm asking. Um, I believe that we'll do testing when I get there. I, I'm not really too sure how it works or how they adjusted things. Um, but I'm all for it. I'm, uh, I'm not someone who has anything to hide. Like I'll, I'll do as many as you want as, as long as the, the, the sport is clean. Uh, I'm happy to do that. So you come in with zero points because you're, you're, um, I guess an alternate will say, what have they told you about, um, you know, you're, you're going to get this one and only chance, obviously to get six points or five points more, whatever it takes to advance. But do you have any tiebreakers in your favor? If you, if someone who fought with two fights winds up with the same amount of fights as you, do you win a tiebreaker or what, what can you tell us about that? That's a good question. I'm uh, I'm excited to hear about that to see how that uh, how that would take part. Um, but other than that, my goal is to go out there and, and to win the fight. And uh, I get six points, great. If I get extra points, great. Um, but to beat the champion, or, or I guess you could say the former champion, it's a big uh, feather in my cap, and I'm excited to uh, to make it uh, into a reality. You guys being Canadians, albeit not in the same city. Um, but you're also not opposite ends of the country. Have you ever crossed paths and trained? Um, we've trained, uh, not that he would remember anything. I was a 17 year old kid, uh, going to train at TriStar, trying to build my dream, uh, becoming a professional fighter. And, uh, yeah, he was there. George was there. All those top guys are there. Uh, and yeah, we did like a one, one situation round. And other than that, I didn't even think anything of it. Um, so yeah, not much to say about it. And that's probably why he doesn't remember me, but, uh, he will one day. So now you did go five minutes with him. It sounds like one thing I've observed with OAM is he looks strong, you know, and, um, he's very methodical with his game plans. He goes out there and tries to win rounds and he gets his hand raised a lot. Um, did those five minutes, did you learn anything? Is he as strong as he appears? Uh, what, what can you tell us about what you remember? Um, I don't, it, it's hard to tell, man. Like, uh, me being 17 year old, 17 years old, uh, I never wrestled, um, before, and I was just a kid with a dream and trying to do my best. Um, so it's so many, so many years ago, I've changed, he's changed. Um, so this is a brand new fight for both of us. And like I said, he probably doesn't remember even seeing my face ever. Um, so that doesn't matter to me. It's, it's the goal that I have in mind of winning the fight. And, uh, that's, that's what will happen on the 23rd. Anthony, where do you think people have gone wrong that have gone up against him and failed? 
that's a good question. I feel like it's kind of like a trick question to kind of, uh, I don't know. It's um, he plays a very smart game. The, the rules of, of the PFL play uh, in his favor against guys, uh, especially guys coming from the UFC. They're, they're kind of taught to be entertaining and uh, look for the big finishes and take risks. Uh, you hear Dana all the time uh, crapping on people about um, not being, not looking for the finish, just playing it safe. Uh, and I feel like OAM does that. He, he plays it safe to get those points and make it to the playoff and uh, not take those big risks. Um, who knows what his, uh, his plan is now, um, but I'm expecting the best, uh, best guy uh, as my opponent. So. You know, we've talked to OAM quite a bit here lately, and the one thing that we could say about him is he's always very well prepared. No matter what mood he's in, he puts his workout, he gets his workouts done, he does his study. Um, but the fact that you're coming in this way, do you think in a way it can maybe play into your benefit a little bit, him not knowing very much about you? Um, it can. I always say, like, I, I don't... I don't expect outside um, things to, to play in my favor. Like I don't expect things to happen out of my control for me to, to win. I'm going in there preparing, like I said, to fight the best OAM. Um, and I'd, I'd rather it be that way than fight him. And then after he's like, oh, I had a rib injury or wrist, whatever, whatever excuse there is. Um, I'd want the best guy so that when I beat him, I feel like I, now I'm the best guy, right? I went back and looked at your record, more specifically the finishes. Two ended in round one, one ended in round two. Um, do you remember the situations at that time? Was the opening just there, or was that the plan, was to come out and, and you backed it up? Like, Because that's kind of what you need here. You um, and, and here's another thing. Maybe it's a two-part question. You're the last guy, so by the time you fight, now, I don't know how honed in you'll be, but you probably will have enough intel to know what you need exactly, you know, uh, as you walk out there. So have you thought about that? Have you gone over that with your coaches? Is there maybe two game plans out there? Um, I, I think for, for myself, like I said, the goal is to win, um, regardless of, of what outside uh, situations there are for other, other guys. Um, I, I love to play my style. And yeah, if I have to go out there and get the six points and give everything I got, then I'll I'll do my best. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, you don't have much to lose." Like, yeah, I don't. But I love to win. That's the that's the problem. Is I don't want to go out there and just try and then and then fail. Like I want to go out there and, and give everything I got, put my heart into this game, and uh, I'm not going there to uh, to uh, just allow him to go to the playoffs and uh, he's just fighting with nobody. Like I'm I'm somebody. I've been in this game for a while, and uh, like I said. Six points is great, but the win is uh, is sweet for me. So, well, but it would be bittersweet if you won, but only got three points and didn't qualify. I think you also want to get to those playoffs, right? Oh, of course, of course. But yeah. uh, there's no point of of uh, of risking everything. And then he's a smart guy. He's no uh, he's no slouch. True. Like you said, he prepares uh, yeah. every fight, and that's why he's the champion. So I, I can't uh, go play around and and think that uh, he's just gonna fall over in front of me, right? So. What do you think of – I brought this up to another fighter. It may have, may have even been OEM or someone else. Um, do you follow the sport pretty close for the last few years? It sounds like it. Yes, yeah. You know, remember Fabricio Verdum would do that kung fu flying kick to start yeah. his fights? Yeah. We yeah. all know about the Mazadal knee. 
Even McGregor, when he fought Cerrone, he kind of came out real casual and then threw a, a big right hand from hell. Um, is Would you call that reckless or would you call that maybe smart, maybe catching someone who's just not in the flow yet off guard? Yeah, that's definitely an option. Um, like I said, I, I could do that. I could uh, play it smart. And I, I like I, my nickname is a genius, right? So I, I take the smart approach when I fight. Um, so when I see openings, I, I take advantage of it, and uh, it will happen on the 23rd. So uh, regardless if it's the first round, second round, third round, or decision, um, I will take advantage of those openings. How'd you get the nickname the genius? Uh, it just comes from uh, my old my uh, old fight style or my fight style. Just uh, I take the smart approach, uh, even training as well. Like uh, a lot of guys, they they burn themselves out just in the gym, and then once they get to the fight, it's they kind of fall apart or they go in with an injury, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, it's because I take the smart approach. Uh, other than that, it's uh, it's all fun for me. So you want to hear when something you... funny? Of course. So when I when yeah. I found out you were the genius. I've been looking at your background, trying to see if I could see like a valedictorian thing or oh, yeah. you know, some kind of cap or some some crazy degree. I do see some trophies back there, though, and one of them I can tell has something to do with martial arts. What are what are those trophies you have up on top? Uh, those ones are probably all dusty and stuff, but uh, those are from when I, I I competed in Taekwondo uh, when I was younger. I, I competed in Taekwondo around five years old, all the way until eleven. Um, so that was more like my my first martial arts. Um, I did graduate university. I got my uh, my degree in recreation and leisure. So I guess you can't uh, say I'm not all that bad in, in academics. So um, I did that stuff. And uh, I think the nickname comes from more of the fighting and, and that kind of thing. Uh, not so much the outside stuff. <laughs> Were you familiar with the WWE or back, I guess, WWF back then, the wrestler, the genius? I've heard of him. Yeah. People have asked me if that's why. And I'm like, ah, I don't know enough about him, but I, I've definitely heard about him. So. He used to come out with like a cap and gown and a little thing. Dude, if you oh, can nice. somehow incorporate something like that into your walkouts, that'd be legit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Hey, Anthony, this is a small sport. Don't let us find out that you were goofing off in practice and your coach <laughs> said, okay, genius. Yeah, maybe yeah. It stuck that way. Was it really from a lot of game planning and just having a high fighter IQ? Yeah, like when I was younger, um, I would jump in. Like I was kind of pushed into the adult class because I didn't really have, uh, I guess, a competition in the kids' class. So mm -hmm. they put me in the adult class, and I was kind of doing these new approaches to, to concepts and, and kind of doing stuff that my coach at the time didn't really teach me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's that's kind of where it stemmed from. So, Okay. Um, tell me about El Salvador. How popular are you back there? Um, that's a good question. My dad says I'm very popular, but that's my dad. So, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I have lots of, lots of family over there. A lot of people, a lot of support. Um, they, they love to have the, someone being able to represent them. Um, and, uh, I'm very happy to have them, uh, on my side. And of course I just love them. I uh, represent my father as well from all the hard work he's put in over the years. Uh, he served in the military over there when he was younger um, so it's, uh, it's a very special country that's dear to my heart. And every time I go over there, it's, it's a very special place to me. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to have their support. So will you, will they have a fight party on June 23rd? Uh, because this is on big ESPN and I'm sure that channel is accessible all over the planet. Uh, what is it, what's it going to be like in Salvador for the Romero family? 
Oh, of course. They're, they're going to have their own uh, their own thing. A uh, bunch of different parties everywhere because uh, the way things are over there, it's, it's difficult to go from, from city to city. Um, but uh, yeah, they'll definitely have their little parties and uh, they'll have uh, definitely a good time and a big celebration after. When did your dad serve? What years? Do you remember? Uh, that's a good question. He is um, 59 now. So uh, it was when he was around 14, 13, 14. Uh, and then until like 17 years old, he uh, he immigrated to the United States. So mm, Okay. When Goz and I went to Afghanistan on a morale visit, we saw soldiers, well, I should say military personnel from all countries. And I remember El Salvador was well represented. I mean, not to think, mm -hmm. oh, could that have been your dad? I'm just saying, oh, I'm yeah. curious because um, a lot of countries were there, obviously, uh, backing up the U United States or part of mm -hmm. treaties with the United States uh, on the Bagram base in, in Afghanistan. So it was pretty cool. I actually chatted with some of them and they were really cool guys. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 You meet some, uh, some neat people. So. Mm hmm. Well, listen, hey, it was really nice to meet you, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with the camp you have left. What do you have, about uh, three weeks maybe? Yes. Then you got to get that weight cut in, and then you got OAM. This could be a big statement for you with him being last year's champ, you know, especially if you can get that finish, make the playoffs. I mean, you'll definitely be on the map there, but so far you've taken care of business, man. 12-1, and one, very impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Starting uh, starting from the bottom, and I'll, I'll get there, so I'm uh, mm -hmm. very excited. And uh, this, like I said, it's a big opportunity. People are like, oh, how do you feel about having the champion first? And uh, it's a great start because I'm supposed to fight anyone in that uh, that top 11. And I've been prepared over the years. So I'm glad it's uh, it's uh, OAM. Yeah. Um, one last question. Hablas Espanol? Si, yo puedo hablar, yeah. Ah, good. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's tremendous. Uh, I, I'm hearing about PFL in Africa with Francis Ngannou being part of your promotion now yeah but yeah. i've wondered what pfl is going to do in latin america you know and, and what the growth is going to be like there have you heard anything i haven't but the but the potential with the with the company is is huge like they're they're doing big moves and i'm very excited to be a part of it um like i said i've always i've always pushed these other promotions and stuff like that but pfl has always been been great to me like they they always took care of me when i was there for the challenger series and uh i feel very respected as a fighter so I'm glad that uh, it's with PFL. Nice. All right. Have a nice day. We'll uh, be watching you on the 23rd on ESPN, 10 p.m. Eastern, folks. Check it out. Anthony Romero against uh, Olivier Abin Merseille. El Salvador in the house. Go see like a nice guy, huh? Very cool kid. Yeah. Great mindset, too. I mean, yeah. obviously, the situation he got put in is kind of shitty. He's got a guy that's been pretty unstoppable in the PFL. But uh, he's saying all the right things, and that's part of it is having the right attitude. Yeah, maybe he is a genius after all. If he can figure out the uh, OEM puzzle, he'll definitely be a genius. Not too many people do. Um, okay, so real quick, let's talk about Cage Warriors. We were there on Friday uh, here in Sequan Resort Casino in San Diego. Pretty cool location. Boy, Goes and I, when we were going, I wouldn't have blamed him if he thought, Hey, are you turning me into the cartels for like a hundred grand or what? What were we driving here? Because we were way down towards the bottom of California. Mexico couldn't have been that far. And we were taking some remote uh, roads to get there. But all of a sudden, boom, pop up, walk in, nice place. It's like an episode of Ozark. I thought for sure you were going to dig a ditch or something 
throw me in there. <laughs> yeah, but no, good fights, man. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I I think I may have heard a one or two. <laughs> I was trying to read up a little bit during the day. But, yeah, for the most part, I was going in there blind. You know, hey, what's going to happen? I don't know. But there was some good talent. In fact, there was a guy that was 0-0. Oh and oh, and uh, I think it was Anthony Orozco. Wow. I mean, for one, tons of energy. He brought a lot of fans. He finished his fighter. I, I wouldn't be shocked that if he was at 5-0, and oh, there might be some publicity behind this guy because that room loved him. But there was some really, really good fights. There was another kid out of Liverpool who lost, but he had some nice skills. So flyweights were banging. Um, overall, I just really enjoyed the card. In attendance was light heavyweight champion in the UFC, uh, Jamal Hill, Rose Namajunas, former two-time uh, starweight champ, along with her man, Pat Berry, former UFC heavyweight veteran. Uh, we also saw on the call of the fights, Angela Hill, Jessica Penne was spotted. Um, I think we saw, I'm not sure we confirmed it, but Alexander Hernandez, was mm-hmm. in the corner of a, a, a fellow named De Jesus, who has one of the fastest jabs I've ever seen. And then Steve-O, to round out the names of um, VIPs, also on the call for their fights. Yeah, it was a fun night, man. And, you know, it was uh, it's always a bucket list to go to some of these events. And, man, remember, George, I told you, we really haven't missed very many. I made a list late that night, and, yeah, we still have a lot to go. But uh, it was good to finally check a Cage Warrior off our list. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of got like a little asterisk next to it because I, I think you still want to do it, you know, overseas. I think it, it'll be even better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was really, really impressed with what they did out there. It was fun. It had a great pacing, really good fighters. You know what? I would even argue that I thought the level of fighter at times were, were – just as good, if not better, than a Dana White's contender series. What you see. That's interesting you say that. I, I didn't think of it. And I don't think you're crazy. So mm-hmm. quite possibly, yeah. That, that You know, like, when we watch Dana White contenders, like, n- now they now they can brag a little bit and say, oh, yeah, well, we produce, you know, Kevin Holland and Puna Soriano and, Random Maverick and this, that, and whatever, along with the champ, right, uh, Jamal Hill. But that night, you're not left with, oh, there's a future champion there. You're just left with somebody that that you can say, oh, I think this person will do well in the next level, and you leave it at that. Yeah. Um, shout out to Graham Boylan, uh, uh, Ian, uh, who's part of their team as well. He's their matchmaker. I'm sorry, I blanked it on his name. Last name, I believe it's Ian Dean, Graham Boylan. Those two guys, we've we've worked with them since Cage Warriors was actually, um, sorry, MMA Junkie was on the Cage Warriors canvas, and Cage Warriors was on the MMA Junkie uh, website. They used to stream on our site years ago before they were on UFC Fight Pass. So we kind of have a little bit of history there, but uh, it was nice to see those guys. The Brady twins as well, working with Cage Warriors. Brian Butler was there. Uh, it was a fun night. All right. So um, last night at the press conference, Dana White says, Tyson Fury, if you're interested, come come to the UFC and let's get down. You versus John Jones. And before that, he goes, first of all, I think John Jones is the baddest man on the planet. And then he goes and proceeds to tell him about how 
Joe Rogan thought Fury would get his ass kicked. Fury called Rogan a midget. And then, of course, this, this thing kind of took off a little bit. So he makes this pledge to him and says, come here. We'll pay you some money the same way we paid Floyd. We'll make it happen. You fight in the octagon against John Jones. And then he conceded because if John Jones were to go box, well, we all know John Jones is going to lose. That's funny because I could have sworn that when Connor went to the boxing ring against Floyd and they asked him, all right, Dana, give us a prediction. He went with Connor McGregor. Now I know people are going to give me shit and go, well, what's he supposed to say? That's his guy. I get it. But, you know, like, why did we all do this if we feel so strong about how what would happen to Jones if he goes and fights Fury? Why do we go through that whole song and dance just so everyone can get rich, I guess? I, I didn't get richer off it. Um, well, maybe we did. We did get paid nicely to do that watch along. But um, McGregor did. Mayweather did. The UFC did. And that's it. The rest of us just paid 100 bucks to get that pay-per-view. And that was that. But really, we all kind of knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually was okay with what Dana said, uh, except for maybe that part. But you gotta you gotta puff your chest a little bit. Now, granted, a lot of people are gonna have problems with the, with just the guy that he picked, baddest man on the planet. Is it him? Is it John Jones? You know, a lot of people will are ar- sorry. Is it Francis Ngannou? A lot of people will argue that, right? But uh, I like that MMA kind of puff their chest a little bit in in places that they don't normally do that, right? It's usually boxing says what they say and the mma guy goes to their worlds and things don't usually go our way not every time but usually it doesn't go our way and it kind of gets left at that i like that dana white did that uh i gotta give him a, a fist bump there mm-hmm. yeah um i wonder prior to them cutting francis and francis was still his heavyweight champ if he went on a mainstream channel like the pat mcafee show or Levitard or Colin Coward or something, and they say, Dana, come on, who's the baddest man on the planet? Is it your guy, Francis Ngani, or Tyson Fury? You know he would have said, of course it's my guy, Francis Ngani. That's my guy, you know? Even though the negotiations may not have been going good, and I don't know if he, for- he could forecast that he wasn't going to be a part of the organization going forward. At the time, John Jones hadn't even fought for three years, you know, so... It, it, what's funny is, I'll, you know, I, I should just put my money where my mouth is. There's so many occasions where I wish the the, the um, media would speak up. Like, hey, Dana, since you're so willing to get around Bob Arum, who consults Tyson Fury or might even be his promoter, and you despise him, and yet you told us you kind of dig with the PFL, they're not your enemy or whatever, if you can do that, why don't you bring in Ghani over and pay him from the PFL to fight John Jones? Shouldn't it be just as easy of a task? Hell, you're both on ESPN. I know PFL would be down. Why Why are we discussing Fury coming over when Fury was clear to say, I'm not a cage fighter, and we're not discussing Ghani versus Jones? That's a good point. I mean, you know, like... <laughs> Like I said, ends a tie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, that's all it was. Uh, you know, that's all I was thinking at that point. Point was like, well, I mean, but <sighs> during that press conference, he kept saying, "You know how we are over here, man. We tell it like it is." And I was like, "Come on, bro, you don't, you don't. We'll give you a pass on a lot of them, in which you don't. We get it. Your promoter, uh, and dude, I am, 
I'm not naive. These fighters can be twats. A lot of them. I imagine a lot of them are difficult to deal with, and you have to be the way you have to be. But um, you definitely aren't, you know, perfect or even close to it. it it's just a grimy sport that we cover. Whatever. Let's close with this. UFC 289 is next Saturday. It's on June 10th. Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along on MMA Junkie, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, for that uh, main card. Sorry, for the prelims. And then the main card is the normal pay-per-view start time of 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Check it out. We'll be watching the fights along with you all. If you order the pay-per-view or not, but especially if you don't, Check us out. We'll be your ears and eyes and tell you what's happening. And we'll have a good time in our chat room, cracking jokes, watching fights with friends. Because we consider you all our friends. Some of you we've met. Some of you we haven't. Some of you we've met through we a chat room or social media. But it's always a good time. So this Saturday, June 10th, UFC 289, uh, our watch along. And we'll give you another reminder throughout the week on our social media. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the goes. And, of course, we still have one more radio show. And Spinning Backlick tomorrow, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll be discussing a lot of these topics, unpacking them uh, a little bit more and in depth. What goes, I got to say this on the way out. This card is just, <laughs> the USC has to take this on the chin. It's not their best presentation. It'll work out because they got so many fights. The fighters usually find ways to step up. But, um... Yeah, man. Nunes versus Aldana, Oliveira versus Darius, and then I like Ige versus Landwehr. But why Chris Curtis and Nasruddin Imavov are not on the main card? Beyond me, the main card is just not like other main cards. But you said it; it's gonna work out, and I, and I know it will. You know, the co-main event alone, you can get me to pay that kind of money for for that type of fight. I, I love that matchup. I think it's going to be great. I think it works out. It just doesn't stand up the same amount of money that I'm paying uh, tonight. I'm getting, or sorry, Saturday. I'm getting my car, right? A Kia Sorento. But a lot of times when I hand them that exact same money, they'll hand me a Ferrari. You know, and that that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. They, uh, and you know what? what? What would they have done? I guess they would have given us something else, to be fair. But what would they have done if Oliveira and Darius went off at USC 288 like they were supposed to in New York? You mm-hmm. know, they got moved back. I guess they would have to give us someone else. Well, whoever they were going to give us someone else, they should have given us along with Oliveira. And, and they should have looked at this card and go, we don't just need Oliveira and Darius. We need more. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the, the other ones is Mike. I said it already. Mike Mallett against Adam Fuggett. Mark Andre Barrio against Eric Anders. This is just to feature Canadians. You know, um, Miranda Maverick and Chris Curtis, I think, have definitely earned their spot over Mark Andre. Do the Canadian? I mean, the Canadians already bought their tickets. You know, they're not standing outside and going, oh, look, a Canadian's about to fight. Here you go. Give me 200. Give me two tickets in the lowest level. They've already mm-hmm. bought their tickets. They can enjoy these, com- these um, Canadians. Earlier in the night, you know what I'm saying? Oh, right on. Yeah, I think that's what they'd say. But it's just silly. It's uh, I don't know. It's gonna work out, but uh, it's just not the same. The same amount of money that you pay for the pay per view, it's not gonna be the same next time you do it. And that that's just it's weird. 
but that that's the addiction that we have, and that's how they got us. Because you won't be on spinning back like tomorrow, a rare Monday off for you. Can I just get your thoughts on McGregor? Your you know Dana White address this. He's having trouble reeling him in. I don't think McGregor's jumped in the USADA pool just yet, after, and we thought he was gonna, but he hasn't. Well, what do you think is happening here? I think it all comes down to money. And I think that's why he gave the type of response that he gave about, you know, Chuck Liddell and losing GSP and losing Habib. I think he wanted fans to know one or two things. One is um, this probably does come down to a money issue with Conor McGregor. And he's shown in the past that he's will, you know, the UFC moves on. And that's true. That is really, really true. But the one guy that you have to point to that is a little bit outside of that bubble is Conor McGregor, right? So in this particular case, I don't know that it's as easy as maybe Habib saying he wants to go, right? Like, remember how much how much he campaigned for Habib to stay? Like, it means something. I think that's the first thing he was trying to point he was trying to make. And I think the second is, hey, fans, MMA media, all you people. You want the fighters to get paid, and I've said this a lot. Be careful what you wish for, because uh, the more money them guys make, the less chance you're going to get to see some of the fights that you really want to see. That's unfortunate, you know. But um, I don't know. There aren't too many instances. It does happen in boxing, but there's not too many where we don't get the fight that we want to see. Sometimes we get it a little later than we want, but eventually money comes around and it happens. Um, in mixed martial arts, it's like, man, if they start making a little bit more money because they had such a shitty time coming up and all that, I, I don't know. I just think they're a little bitter. There's, there's not too many Conor McGregor's that make that kind of money. You know, it's just a completely different pay scale, but maybe a Ronda Rousey or someone like that. I get why she walked away. She probably made a good amount of money to say, I'm done. So the more money these guys make, the less chance you're going to get to get some of these matches. And I, I think that's why he maybe threw that part out, too. I think she walked away a little bit because she was not a bully. But when things were easy, it was the funnest thing on earth. You know, people throwing pedals at your feet. Mm-hmm. And then when the times got tough, she didn't take that first loss well, especially because she got knocked the fuck out, right? Yeah. And... um and then when she came back, she just happened to come back against the GOAT. Like, if she wins that fight, would she have been, you know, back in or not? And then seeing her, the way she beats with the WWE, whether it's your executives, the fans there, you could just tell she's not a good loser. She's not a good mm-hmm. loser. She's got a winning mentality, and I get it. She's amazing in that regard. I always say, hey, Henry Cejudo. You have some competition when it comes to the greatest combat sports athlete ever because Ronda won a bronze, you won a gold. I get it. Um, She won a title, you won two in MMA. I get it. But then she went over to WWE and became a title holder and a superstar there. That's where you may go, oh, that ain't a combat sport because it's sports entertainment. Maybe. But there's going to be a lot of people that go, no, 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 no. They take bumps and bruises. Something's happening there. And she reached the pinnacle, you know, so what she did was amazing. But at the same time, you know, she, and I know we didn't bring this up for discussion right now, but it's just something I've been thinking about 
McGregor, same thing. You know, when when things are going great, they were great. But the minute there was any any bit of adversity, hasn't gone his way. And a lot of it does have to do maybe with the money. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess he has to get in USADA first, and then we'll figure it out. But when he said it two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I'm going to get in it next week or something like that, we thought, oh, cool. And he still hasn't. So now starting to get a little scared. I think it has to do with not necessarily motivation because he never gets out of shape, really. I think it has to do with that foot isn't responding the way he wants it to. Yeah, and he can't afford another loss. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here, folks. We'll talk to you on Thursday, and we'll remind you about all that stuff going on, including the watch-along on Saturday. Go out and be a champion and keep your lock on any junkie throughout the week. We'll see you soon.